Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Vital Signs of Democracy podcast. Is democracy threatened in America? Because we never thought in our lifetimes we would be asking that question. Yet, here we are, seemingly more polarized than any other time in our history. So our goal in this podcast isn't to tell you the news, but to help us understand how the stories we hear and believe are crafted for other reasons and how that impacts our belief in a democratic form of governance. We're gonna slow down and take a deep look at motivations, interpretations, and yes, the facts themselves. I'm Debbie Lynn Molyneux, co-publisher of The Fulcrum. I'm also the president and CEO of Bridge Alliance, which is a coalition of almost 600 organizations who are working to bring about a thriving, just, and healthy democratic republic. You can learn more about our work at bridgealliance.us. And I'm David Reardon, Director of Vital Signs of Democracy. Every two weeks, we publish a rating of the threat level to democracy in this country based on our unique narrative analysis of the news. And we pay particular attention to how both Make America Great narratives from the Biden Democrats and the MAGA Republicans are garnering support from their voters or not. You can find our latest rating at vitalsignsofdemocracy.com. So, David, I just have to confess that the news this week has been overwhelming, to say the least. And I think if I were to comment a little bit on just how the news has been feeling, I want to quote my friend who is a Trump supporter who said, I've had to take a news break to keep my sanity. I feel that. I feel with her on that. What have you been watching and how has our meter changed or not? Well, I've had some similar feelings. I mean, normally when we do our two-week scan, one or two major themes emerge that push the needle on the VSD meter one way or another. But in this last two weeks, we've had major developments across multiple categories. But before we get into the details of those narratives, I want to remind our audience of something we've been saying since the midterms. We said it was going to be interesting to see what both parties learned from the unexpected results. I mean, basically, that the predicted MAGA red wave didn't show up. And here's the interesting thing. As we've been conducting our narrative analysis over the last two weeks, we've started to pick up a theme among some Democrats that they just can't believe their luck. The way the story goes is, the MAGA Republicans seem to have learned nothing from the midterms and are continuing to lead with narratives on abortion, voting rights, and gun reform that have already been rejected by a majority of American voters. I mean, it seems so blatantly undemocratic. I had to ask, are the MAGA Republicans bent on committing some sort of electoral suicide? Well, that's what I want to explore with you in this podcast, Debbie Lynn. And the thing I can say quickly about it is that the reasons the MAGA Republicans seem to be still promoting this dystopian narrative are much more complex than first meets the eye. Here's just some of the bullet points. We've had unexpected firings of popular commentators at cable news channels, Tucker Carlson at Fox News and Don Lemon at CNN, just to name two. There are continuing developments in many of the legal challenges that Trump is facing, and some are suggesting those cases concerning his interference in the Georgia 2020 election, lying about his possession of national security documents, 
and his leading a coup against the U.S. government are moving towards further indictments. And this one just breaks my heart. There have been more senseless self-defense shootings. And these are different than the mass shootings in malls or schools. These involve just a person of color coming to someone's door mistakenly and getting shot through the glass or someone turning their car around in the driveway and the owner of the house comes out and shoots into the car with no warning. All the mass shootings that we are having in record numbers since the first of the year are tragic. But these are individual events where one person takes it upon themselves to shoot and ask questions later. And that's a new development and one that is very disturbing. And lastly, Speaker Kevin McCarthy in the House is threatening to default on America's debt unless the Democrats agree to severely cut spending that has already been approved to develop green energy technologies or provide a safety net for the middle class. This is like, you know, playing a game of chicken. Yeah. Because Biden wants to run on all of the legislation he got passed in the first two years. And Kevin McCarthy is basically saying, if you, we will not raise the debt ceiling unless you take it back. And the ironic part of Speaker McCarthy's threat is that when Trump was president, the Republicans, including McCarthy, raised the debt ceiling three times without tying it to reducing the federal budget. So McCarthy, in a sense, is holding the U.S. and global economy hostage And that concerns many financial players on Wall Street. Yeah, Yeah. there's several financial advisors right now who are concerned would be the mild word to use. And that list is just a sampling. It's an overwhelming amount of news to attempt to get your hands around. That's why at Vital Signs, we always look for the larger context that lurks behind what the individual news stories are reporting. And what surfaced in these last two weeks is seemingly a much clearer picture of the narratives that MAGA Republicans and Biden Democrats are going to run on for the 2024 presidential election. When we watched the video from President Biden's re-election announcement, it's fairly clear that the Democrats are going to lead with a vision of American freedom that is diametrically opposed to what MAGA Republicans have been promoting. So let's listen to an excerpt from that video. Freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. There's nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. To protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally and that everyone is given a fair shot at making it. So you can hear the tone in that launch video, and we're going to get into what the MAGA Republican response was in a minute. So, David, we were just talking about Speaker McCarthy not wanting to raise the debt ceilings unless there was some elimination of spending, which mostly was the middle class safety net that you mentioned. And I think that what you're really talking about is taking back all of these funding for different programs is what Kevin McCarthy wants to eliminate so that Biden has nothing to run on. It seems that that is his intention, doesn't it? 
I guess the only risk in bringing up all the spending he wants to eliminate is that he's also reminding voters of what President Biden has gotten done, which has been impressive. So now let's listen to the Republican National Committee's attack ad that they released on the same day as Biden announced his reelection campaign. It opens with the words on the screen that you won't see because this is going to be an audio file. And those words say, what if the weakest president we've ever had was reelected again? The spot then goes on to lay out their predictions of what America will be like if Biden is elected. Let's give a listen. This just in, we can now call the 2024 presidential race for Joe Biden. This morning, an emboldened China invades Taiwan. Financial markets are in free fall as 500 regional banks have shuttered their doors. Border agents were overrun by a surge of 80,000 illegals yesterday evening. Officials closed the city of San Francisco this morning, citing the escalating crime and fentanyl crisis. Who's in charge here? It feels like the train is coming off the tracks. So it really sounds to me like the RNC is doubling down on their strongman pitch as the, the best kind of leader for our future. And, you know, one of my Trump supporting friends, the one I referenced in the opening, really believes this line of thinking, too. So I, I texted her and I asked her, what does she think the Republicans want for our future? And she replied with very similar talking points that Biden running is nuts and that the best choice in regards to brains, willpower, smarts and foreign policy is Trump. But she is sure the Democrats fear him and are going to come up with more scams or continue the existing ones. And just to be clear here for our listeners, when she says scams, she means the civil and criminal cases that are underway. There was nothing in her response that was helpful for knowing what she actually wants for her future or what the Republicans are offering for her. As an independent, I keep listening to the MAGA Republican pitch, and I understand what they don't want, but I don't hear yet any vision of how they would lead the country if they were elected again to the White House. In fact, I found it fairly shocking when I looked at what the MAGA Republicans are doing in red states or what they're attempting to do in the House of Representatives that they control for the moment or what Trump's allies on Fox News are saying or pronouncements from Trump himself on Truth Social. I mean, here's the list that they seem to be running on broken out in some of the news categories that we look at in our narrative analysis. So, for example, with voting. They're actively trying to suppress the votes of people of color in red states or in the battleground states. They have passed radical legislation that makes it much harder for black and brown citizens to vote. They also are doing purges of voter rolls of people of color with no notification to those people until election day when they show up and try to vote. And I would note that there are states where Democrats have a trifecta that are also gerrymandered to favor the Democrats, but they are not in the news nearly as much. I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, you're right. But in our view, comparing Democratic gerrymandering in blue states with MAGA Republicans is like comparing apples and oranges. The red state gerrymandering is much more extreme, like we're seeing in North Carolina. And it's also being supported by partisan Trump-appointed judges. In the culture wars that we keep talking about, 
the MAGA Republicans seem to want to promote fear and grievance and retribution among white Americans toward people of color and women. The latest revelations concerning texts uncovered in the Dominion voting machine case by Fox News commentators like Tucker Carlson are just one example. I would add young people as well. Um, there's been now for a couple of election cycles this confusion around if you're in college, where do you vote? And so there's a whole other piece of narrative that young people won't vote for Republicans that uh, is causing some suppression of young people's votes. So on abortion, since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court, the red states have been passing legislation that basically bans all abortions after just six weeks. They are also challenging the FDA's authority to test and approve abortion drugs in all 50 states. Their latest challenge, supported by a Trump-appointed judge in Texas, was successful, even though the Supreme Court has now issued a stay until the case can make it through the Supreme Court. Around climate change, they want to cancel all support for green energy projects and increase drilling for oil and gas. It's like they don't believe that climate change and all the impacts it's having exists. And, and lastly, around gun reform, they continue to distort Second Amendment rights to mean that all American citizens can buy and openly carry military assault weapons. And that's just some of what they seem to be suggesting in their actions and their news sound bites. Yeah, well, I, I just want to say, you know, first of all, by that list, like I would love to think that this was some plot by a supervillain in a Bond movie that's trying to take over the country. But meanwhile, what what I see happening with the Biden Democrats is that they're really just telling the story about the legislation they've passed at the federal level, you know, that we've noted that that Speaker McCarthy wants to undo. And in the 17 states where the Democrats hold trifectas, they're not being covered by the news at all. Does it mean that nothing is happening or that it's business as usual and therefore boring? You know, I want to push back some on your reading of what the Democrats are doing. So far, it's true. They are emphasizing the legislation they have passed. But based on our narrative analysis, we see them trying something new. They are attempting to shift the narrative about what freedom means in America. The MAGA Republicans continue to define freedom as meaning anyone can do anything they want without regard for others or any type of reasonable regulations. The MAGA folks particularly make this point concerning their position on gun violence. They claim that the Second Amendment allows an individual citizen the freedom to fully arm themselves with military-grade weapons that are meant only for one use, and that is to kill as many humans as possible in the shortest period of time. Now, what the Biden Democrats are attempting is to redefine this concept of individual freedom, to mean that citizens should be free to venture out into their neighborhoods or their malls or schools without the fear that they're going to be killed by a shooter armed with a military assault weapon. This culture war battle over the concept of what freedom really means in America is going to be an interesting one to watch, particularly when we eventually see what Fox News is going to do after getting caught lying to their audience about the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection. And I can share with you that a couple of my Republican Trump-loving friends who 
does not trust Fox. And the Jane that I talked with a few episodes ago on the plane does not watch Fox and doesn't trust it either. But ironically, whatever the newscasters on Fox or the, the opinionators are spewing on Fox seems to be the same thing that they are coming to their so-called own conclusions about based on whatever uh, videos they're watching. Mm-hmm. Pulling this back around, though, I don't think our so-called news channels get ratings by covering the boring process that governance should be. And so it's almost like we're making something into a circus that really shouldn't be a circus for the sake of news ratings. But as you're pointing out at the moment, Trump and his MAGA Republican allies are more newsworthy because their pronouncements seem more shocking or outrageous to the majority of Americans. But let's say that the liberal media is wildly exaggerating what MAGA Republicans are pitching. As an independent voter like I am, who is trying to make sense of the two parties' narratives, even if only half of what the liberal media is reporting about MAGA Republicans is true, it still concerns me as it relates to the future of democracy in America. I want to come back to our core question. Why would the MAGA Republicans be running on a dystopian narrative that is so unpopular with the majority of Americans? Well, here's one answer. You ready? The MAGA Republicans really don't care what the majority of Americans think. Now, as counterintuitive as that seems, when you look at the last two presidential elections, they've been decided by less than 100,000 votes in three battleground states. Even though Trump paid the price for his inaction on the COVID pandemic in the 2020 presidential election, he still got 48% of the popular vote. The Electoral College allows a candidate with only the support of a minority of Americans to win. In that scenario, MAGA Republicans only have to convince just enough independent voters in those three states to vote their way. Now, there may be another reason the MAGA Republicans are pitching what they are. There are a variety of potential variables that have not yet landed in the minds of American voters. Any of these could be the reason that MAGA Republicans are currently waiting to see which way some of these break before they finalize their 2024 narrative. So what are those variables? On the MAGA Republican side, what if Trump gets indicted for some of the more serious investigations he's facing? What if he is criminally charged with leading the January 6th coup against the U.S. government? Current common wisdom says that even if he is indicted for these criminal offenses, his base doesn't care. And that may be true, but his base only represents about 35% of American voters, and that's not enough to elect him in 2024. If other Republican candidates sense that they could jump into the void left by Trump being further crippled by more serious legal troubles, they might at some point challenge him for the nomination. But it's way too early for any of that to be known. So for the moment, they seem to be going along with supporting him. Now, on the Democrat side, much has already been made of Biden's age and his competency to serve a second term. Just wonder if Biden suffers a health setback on the campaign trail and American voters then have to look at Kamala Harris as they make up their mind about which way they're going to vote. Currently, the knock on Harris is that she has not developed an identity as a national candidate on her own. There is also the hidden, not-spoken-out-loud factor 
that she is a woman of color. Given the current state of race relations in this country, could enough independent voters question her ability to be president if Biden cannot? That might be the reason that MAGA Republicans at the moment are only concerned with pleasing their base. And from that perspective, the campaign of fear they seem to be pitching may just be the perfect thing. So that's a long answer to the question of why MAGA Republicans still seem to be promoting a narrative that lost them the 2020 presidential election and severely impacted their success in the 2022 midterms. We opened this podcast saying there was an overwhelming amount of significant news in this past scan, enough so that it is so easy to get depressed by all of it. So let's change our story. What are the positive signs that you're seeing that might impact democracy in America? So I'm actually going to share with you a little bit of of an adventure that I took last weekend uh, when TEDx uh, Foggy Bottom held their 13th annual event. And one of my friends was a speaker there. And her name is Suzanne Brennan Furstenberg, and she is what she calls a social practice artist. And as part of her TED talk, uh, which I can't wait for it to be out on uh, video, was talking about her art through the lens of our political divisions. And so the first time I met her was when she was working on an installation with the congressional record, where she took all 10,000 pages of, of the congressional record from 2015, 2016, and made paper airplanes out of each page. And she was representing, you know, some of the pages were blue and some of the pages were red, but the only ones that could fly were the ones that had both red and blue on them or they were purple. Mm. So that was in 2016 and, and with the Updraft America project. And from there, she does a lot of larger scale installations and she does interviewing and tremendous research. And so one of the her next projects was around addiction. And in her research, she, you know, uncovered this, what's commonly known as like the dopamine hit that people who are addicted to something get when they use their substance of choice. You know, for me, it's sugar and food. For other people, it's media or alcohol or, or drugs. And she talked and interviewed with a, t- with a lot of people and, and they all described this sense of a lack of control as if they were drowning and drowning uh, both in their sensitivity because often addiction comes from people being very sensitive or very empathetic to others and feeling pain uh, around them because the world could could be a better place. And she equated then this dopamine hit addiction that we have, that we all have at some level and drowning and how we judge people who are addicted very differently than if someone were physically drowning. And so she created an exhibit that she called the eyes of addiction, where she took pictures of people's eyes who were addicted to something and put them on these glass blocks and submerged them in water is stunning, stunning exhibition. And then she took it a step further. And she said, she realized recently that when people are watching their news of choice, they are also getting a little dopamine hit every time their bias is confirmed. So when I watch something that's more progressive uh, oriented, that's more of the story I want to hear, I get a little dopamine hit. And when somebody who, like my friend who watches 
you know, one of the, the conservative news channels or videos, she gets a little uh, dopamine hit from her confirmation bias. It's the same chemical in our brains that's keeping us addicted to our news cycle. So here's what she suggested on how we can all get, get out and around from this. She said, first of all, is to recognize that people who believe different than we are, are not the demons that we think they are, that they are really lovely human beings who have their own pain and their own confirmation bias. It just happens to be different than ours. And so somewhere in our lives, we've all lost touch with uh, friends and family right now over politics. I don't know of anybody who hasn't suffered some loss. She said, here are three things that we can each do. And this is where I find hope, David, for you. Number one is to reach out and connect with them and tell them how much you miss them. Remind them of something funny that you used to do together or share a fond memory with them. Number two, arrange a time to get together, but don't discuss politics at all. And then lastly, find a common goal of something you can work on together and work on it and have fun together and laugh. And it could be something like fantasy sports league. It could be uh, planting a garden going to a movie, but do something that's fun with each other. Now, this, I think, is part of a longer term strategy, David. You know, we we started by this podcast talking about uh, all the things that are going wrong and, and the power struggle between the Republicans and the Democrats. Part of what Vital Signs of Democracy is for is to find that story that helps us create the future we want the 65 to 70 percent of the exhausted majority need to find each other and have fun together so that the parties are reminded that they work for us and they don't control us well amen to that and here's the question of vital signs that we continue seeking answers for to what degree has our political discourse blown through the time-tested guardrails of moderate debate do we need to respond differently than we did in the past? I mean, Einstein once said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. The way we look at it from a narrative perspective is the very nature of our individual and cultural transitions are basically defined by the old stories falling away while the new ones have yet to stabilize. And that may be one reason why we all currently feel so unsettled. So here's a little history. America's old story that has been around since the end of the Second World War was that Republicans and Democrats each took a turn controlling the presidency and the Congress. Republicans won it four times and the Democrats five. Each time the country's leadership changed parties, the political power swung between traditional guardrails of true conservative and liberal thought, like we just mentioned. Although there were serious differences of opinion between the parties about how America should move forward, we didn't have one party seemingly question whether they would continue to support democracy in America for all its citizens. So this question remains hanging in the air, doesn't it? Does the current polarization of our democratic discourse demand we move beyond the old stories of red and blue and create a new story that the American majority can support again, regardless of which party they have belonged to in the past. 
finding that story with you, well, that's my hope. So thanks for those words, David. And I think for Vital Signs of Democracy podcast this week, that's a wrap. And I'm sure you have some follow-up thoughts. Well, the last thing I want to say is I want to remind the audience, like we do every two weeks, that while we're pondering these current challenges to democracy in America, they can go to www.vitalsignsofdemocracy.com to get all the detail that influences what we discuss in this podcast. Check the notes on the podcast for the links of everything we've, we've referenced during today's show. And be sure if you're looking for more solutions, you can check out citizenconnect.us. You can read diverse opinions in the fulcrum.us. And if you're an organization who wants to become part of the larger community to both protect and strengthen democracy in the United States, check out bridgealliance.us.